0: Hey everyone, and welcome to An Eventful Life with Brad Cox and Shane Buzzer. I'm Brad.
1: And I'm Shane.
0: An Eventful Life is the podcast where we take you on a journey through eventful lives of inspirational event leaders from around the world.
1: That's right, Brad. We'll be sharing their stories, impact, and insight into the complex world of events. So if you like these stories, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your mates. This is An Eventful Life. Buzz, welcome. How are you, mate? I'm doing okay. How are you doing today? Yeah, all right, mate. I know you've had a busy weekend. Uh, Have you recovered? Uh, yeah, I'll eventually get some food into me, maybe sleep in my own bed at some point, but look, it's a huge time for events right now. Um, things happening every weekend, so it's great to be involved.
0: Yeah, nice. I saw the team out and about, so, yeah. uh,
1: very good, and you're gallivanting all over the place. I'm everywhere at the moment, but <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way. What about yourself? What's happening?
0: Another busy weekend, mate. So, a little bit the same. I was attending events this weekend, though, so that was, uh, that was exciting. It's nice to be on the other side of the fence occasionally. That's, that's more your style, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Now? That's, it that's all right, how you roll. So. So. Yeah. <laughs> try to get into many as we can these days. Hey, I'm a little nervous about today's episode, Buzz. Uh, we have a genuine superstar sitting in front of us. Uh, he's the musical director for one of my favourite artists of all time, Mr John Farnham, uh, and has been the musical director for multiple Olympic and Commonwealth Games, including arrangements for Kylie Minogue, Siri Blasko, uh Paul Kelly and many more. He has steered the ship on TV shows such as Dancing with the Stars and The Logies and has produced numerous albums for the elite of Australian and global music. A two-time ARIA nominee and Order of Australia recipient, would you please welcome the music legend, Mr Chong Lim. Chong.
2: Please, please don't be nervous. I'm more nervous looking at you. <laughs> you. I'm shaking my pants. Oh, <laughs> mate. I got the sweats up
0: when you walked in through the front door. No, it's great to have you here and uh, thank you very much for joining us.
2: I think you, you had the sweats because you were worried at... Steal your TV? Oh no! Come <laughs> on, that's right. I don't know. You looking no.
0: very comfy on the uh, the Eventful Life couch in front of us. So that's uh that's always good to see. And make yourself at home, and yes, uh, I'm
2: taking that home. Yeah, it
0: goes alright.
1: So I'm, a nice I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about this episode. You know that, Brad. I'm, oh, I i uh, Yes, Chong. We've worked together and we've known each other yes, a while now. But yes. I'm excited to hear about the the pre or well, you know b- before we met. I want to hear about all uh, Yeah, the pre <laughs> the pre Buzz Chong days. So uh, Be,
2: before I used to get my free Bacon and eggs from you every, you know, every meeting
1: yeah, Whatever you ne- whatever you wanted, it was there for you, <laughs> you know that But no, I, I'm pretty pumped about this one Where's so, the bacon
0: uh, and eggs today? I know it's a bit late in the day when oh, we're recording this one But come on, mate Next time He's next very, time. very, very uh, generous yeah. Hey, let's get into it um, Chong, I wanted to ask and sort of go back in time As Buzz said a little bit there um, You're a musical director now But where did your love for music come from And, and where
2: did all that start at what age? Um, you, you know I come from a tiny little town in Malaysia called Ipoh very small place not much to do but my parents were uh, music lovers you know you, they, they weren't musicians but they were music lovers they had about 2000 albums you know final LPs and and there's so many albums my mom would number them and oh, wow. and make a book you know with indexes and all yeah. that stuff and you know they played a lot of you know Mentavani and and that kind of thing you know music stuff and uh, <clears throat> they were kind of famous for for the hi-fi system and every night friends would come by and listen to their hi-fi and they played records till midnight every night and 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 so i got exposed to music you know even though it was music but music's music so i absorbed yep. it all and mm. and learned to love it and and being an asian you know, person I was forced to go to piano lessons My <laughs> uh, mom wasn't tiger yeah. She was leopardish um, <laughs> And um, I, I went to piano lessons yeah. And and when I, f- I finished my Like the top grade, grade 8 Pretty yeah. early in my life About 15 or something like that. Wow. Oh, When I was, did
0: you start playing? How old were you? I think about 5 or something Yeah, wow yeah.
2: You know, drilled You know And I I thought, well I, I've, I've finished no, I can. They tell me pop music's easy. I, I'll play any <laughs> pop music. I, I couldn't play anything, um, and so I had to retrain myself to use my ears to learn to play anything I heard. Yep. And yeah, so my my parents' interest piqued my interest in music and and my love of music because we were surrounded by music all day, every day. Yeah. And
0: did you pick that up easily when you sort of started to? look at other genres and stuff, like did it come naturally or did you find yourself having to really work
2: hard at that? And, point? and, do, you,
1: and do you remember the first song you learned as well? Yeah, it
2: was Carpenter's Rainy Days and Mondays. And, <laughs> and I didn't even know, even know about tuning. You you know, I, I played, I bought a book and, and played the, the tune to the to the track and it wasn't in tune and I couldn't figure it out. And, and luckily I was hanging out with a really good friend, a guitar player, and he showed me a lot about, chords and harmonies and all that. So I, you know, I learned a lot that from him.
0: Yeah, Yeah, right. And you grew up in Malaysia, as you said. Yes. When did you move to Australia
2: and was there a reason behind that move? Um, I was about 17 when I moved to Australia, went to boarding school at Geelong College. And, you know, a lot of students from Malaysia go overseas when they, uh, year 12 you know um because at that stage we didn't have a very good education system so all yep. parents saved money to send the kids wow. to either england or canada or usa or yep. australia or new zealand were, were you on your own chong yeah yeah, yeah. went to wow. boarding school yeah
0: was that difficult moving away from the family
2: it was a little difficult but uh you you learn to grow up quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally
0: hey um for those that are listening that don't understand sort of what a musical director is in, in terms of the role, what is, give us an idea of sort of what does a typical project or sort of task look like and how do you go about your work as it stands today? Yeah,
2: I'm still trying to figure it <laughs> out. Myself. Yeah, you'll get there one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, a musical director does different things in different situations, say <clears throat> with the John Farnham band or the Kylie Minogue band, I'm the musical director... That means I'm on top of all the music. I know what's needed. And we have really good musicians. You, you can't tell the great musicians how to play, but you certainly can guide them in a, in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, in a movie, you, you know, Steven Spielberg uh, directing Harrison Ford. You know, Harrison Ford doesn't need acting lessons. Mm. So, you, you know, it's Steven Spielberg's job to guide him towards what he needs. And, and so my job is to guide these top musicians. Into what I need, and and sometimes I have to do arrangements. Say if we play with the Mel- Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, I'll yep. write the charts out for the Symphony Orchestra, and then and then there's other things like you you know that's when I first met Buzz Cut Shane. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we worked on the Olivia Newton John um, Gala Ball, yep. and um, my role in that is because those things have a lot of different artists. Mm. My mm. role would be to liaise with the artists and make them comfortable and help them choose the tunes and then get the keys from them and prepare the band for them. And you've got to be pretty together to do all that stuff. And, you you know, you're working with really good artists who, who feel insecure because they're not, not with their band, so you've got to make them feel comfortable. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. And then on a TV show like Dancing with the Stars, musical director, we'll prepare all the charts and... And kind of coach the band, yeah. you, you know what you want from them, but they they don't need to be told what to do. They they're very good, like a coach in a in a football team, you know. Yeah, yeah. And look, music
1: such a tough industry to crack, Chong And yeah. so, what were the early days like for you as a musician in Australia, and how did you <clears> kind of go about building your repu- you know, your career and reputation?
2: Um, when I started, I, I I started off as a jazz pianist, and I, I just really wanted to play jazz and. And I was at, I was boarding at Melbourne Uni, yep. Ormond College, and I, I met, you know, you know, famous tenor, classical tenor singer David Hobson, and I, oh wow, I, uh, we became good friends. I was a, a mechanical engineering student, and he was an economic student, but we played music together, and and so we we formed some kind of band, and we played a lot, and then I met another person at the, at the college, and. His best friend happened to be Willie Ziggier. Willie Ziggier is a yeah. great guitar player, and who's yeah. the the other half of um is the other half of the successful Deborah Conway band and and he he who was very kind and he was in the scene already and he um he got me into bands. We were playing jazz and and jazz is a whole whole system of what we call dapping. Yep. If you, you know, you're to a, for a certain gig, and um, the, the, the keyboard player might not be able to do the gig. He might be doing something with Vince Jones. So they go, Well, we'll call someone else. And, and we'll, really, who do you think? And he would recommend me to all the gigs, these gigs. So I got into the scene that way, and one thing led to another, and I got into a few bands and all that stuff. You, you know, so um, I learned my craft that way in yeah. gigs. You know, pretending to know Kick everything and knew nothing. <laughs> yeah, and was that tough as a musician back then,
0: in terms of comparing it to today today's musicians, or was it very similar? Or like, have you seen that um, sort of trend, Grace?
2: Yeah, well, I, I don't know what the scene is now, but when I started out, it was a little intimidating, and. um you, you, you know like everyone knew everyone and yep. you, you walked in and you know you're feeling a little left out and try to be part of the scene you know hey man you know being <laughs> tr- kind of cool but y- you know you soon meet people you like and who will help you and that's like how i started you, you know it was kind of intimidating you know you know hanging out yep. with these incredible musicians and here i was little omi just fresh from Malaysia.
0: Going in from sort of, I guess, performer to producer, you know, into world-class music director, was musical direction always your goal or how did you make that sort of transition into into that
2: role? Well, I, I don't know. I think I stumbled upon it but, yeah. you, you know, I was playing, you know, so um, being the keyboard player, you tend to to have to know a lot about the music and so it was natural that people gravitated to me to ask me to be the musical director and and my big break was joining John Farnham's band and and after i, I don't know 6 months or a year i became the musical director yep, yep. you know
0: which is interesting you know you've had a long standing relationship with with John uh, in particular it started back in 94 i believe on yes. his uh, Talk the Town tour yeah. you've now done to to my calculation sort of 15 national tours or over that <laughs> countless shows and albums with John um how did how did that first come about and that opportunity and you know, you talk about opening doors and all these people leading you into. Well, how that you was, made him? Yeah. Barely.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, well, um, he had the the best keyboard player in the country as his musical director. Yep. This guy David called Hirschfeld. David Hirschfelder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when David Hirschfelder left because he had success with Strictly Ballroom and, yep. and he yep. wanted to go into the world of film music, yep. he he quit the band and they they were looking for someone and. And David was a good friend, and David recommended me, and so did Lindsay Field, yep. you know, the backing vocalist. And so they tried me out, and and Got fortunately, the they liked me. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was. Like my bad jokes. It. Yeah, yep. you know, I, I, um, they invited me to to play at the Arias with him at Dream World, and and I went and did the gig, and we played "Top Talk of the Town" and. Unbeknownst to me, it was a little audition to check me out, and and I, I think I passed because clearly, um, yeah. You you know I I still I still remember to this day when I drove up to his studio, which used to be in Ringwood, yep, and driving up this dirt path up the hill, and there's John Farnham comes out and says hi. You know, this very good looking, confident, tall man, and he comes hi. I'm John. I thought what? You've got to introduce I know your job you're famous you know so I shook his hand and then you you know I, my keyboards were in cardboard boxes I couldn't afford road cases oh he said don't worry about that we'll, we'll, we'll buy you some road cases I thought oh how nice this is sounding good yeah. yeah 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 sounding good
1: well it's 30 years ago so I reckon you passed that one Chong and, yeah I've got
2: I've had about 3,000 road cases made. From yeah, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and what, what's it like working with such an icon? And I guess can you give us an insight into how from your side as a musical director you go about putting together a tour with a John Farnham or
2: something yeah, like well, that? Yeah, well, I'll go back because after we did that that gig, we were in the bus driving back to Brisbane. And then, you know, John was on the phone, mobile phone, in those days the Bricks, and yeah. to to Glen Wheatley. And he goes, oh. First concert gone, sold out, and everyone's excited. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going. Uh, yeah, okay. Have I got a gig? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretending. Oh, yeah, great. But I, you, you know, I didn't want to pretend to be part of it, so I, I was kind of laid back. Oh, the seventh concert gone in three minutes, and I go, oh, okay, yeah, cool. You, wow. you, know, trying to be, you know, upbeat for them, but I knew I wasn't going to be part of it. Yeah. But then I got the call to do do that tour, so. Unbeknownst to me, it would have been a little triumph to, for me to see whether I could do the tour or not. Yep. And you, you know, it's important in John Farnham's entourage that you're a good musician and you get along with people. This is a whole family, family. atmosphere. Yeah. You're like you got to get along with the band and with the management and with the the road crew, and so you've got to go through a lot of tests. You know, they they check out your jokes, whether your dad jokes are <laughs> good or go bad. Oh, I think he'd lead the, the way. The jokes I've heard and, <laughs> and the
0: trivia, I believe, on Christmas Day goes down well too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's plenty of stories in, in that regard. Was the audition just for keyboards, or was it music director at the, at the same time? Or no, was just that just sort of happened?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think they just needed someone. What, yeah. It wasn't officially an, an audition. I just played yeah. in the band, yeah. and and I guess right. they, they wanted to see whether I fit it in or not, yeah. and and whether I could play or not, and and following up your question, Shane, um, working with John, it's it has been a privilege. And, um, you know, my workings with John involve, like, putting together a concert, and then I would be the first cab of the rank. I'd suss out from him what he wants to do, first of all. And, you, you know, him and Glenn Whitley would figure out a the theme for the, the concert, and then I'd put together a set list and run it by John and John says, yep, okay, we'll do that one. That one I don't want to do. I've done, I've done it too many times and I set up the set list. You've got to design a set list to uh, captivate the audience. Yep. You you know, the I always say the slow songs make the fast ones sound exciting and the fast ones make the slow songs sound Tender and emotional, yep. so you got to balance the set list. It's yeah. nice. And, and keep it, it fresh too. I imagine John. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because we've done those, those songs so many times. Yeah. A large repertoire is good. You've got some yep. huge amounts of things yeah. to mine yeah. from, but on the other hand, you cannot avoid the hits. Like you can't do a concert with John Farnham without doing Pressure Down, yep. Your the Voice. You've got to have those songs, but you got to fit them in amidst amongst. All these yeah, up, a plethora of songs, you've yeah. got to put something interesting uh, fresh or new and and yet you've got to give the fans what they want. What? They want that's freedom. They want um every time you cry, yeah. you know, you're the voice and all that stuff. You know, you gotta give them reasons that. was always my one. Yeah, so reasons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and I know
1: he loves an A C D C song as part of the Yeah, Long With the tutorial yeah, yeah, yeah. See the set
0: list done. little well, three quarters of it, then yeah. it probably gets hard to fill in the the small gaps. So. Yeah, we,
2: we call it Long Way to to the top if you want a sausage roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, um, I've heard a few stories, um, about tours in the past, and while we won't name names, uh, other uh, you know other than they sound like a lot of fun, as you sort of alluded to before on the bus, and uh, and that family sort of bond. Uh, and it's a bit like you know a giant traveling circus. Can you tell us a bit about that touring lifestyle, working with these artists? You know, between John and Kylie and the and well, likes and How touring maybe has evolved from when you started back then to how the industry and touring probably now. social
1: media, I imagine now and
2: everything. Yeah, happens. these days yeah. Uh, it's very different. But in those days, um, you, you know, as as I said, it's like a family. The the band members are really good friends, and we'd hang out in the in one in a musicians room and we you know and and you you know um a tour consists of you you know you rehearse for three weeks before a yep. big tour you get all the songs right and and then the production right and they'll tell you like look you got to stand over there stage right in this song and and so you got to run through all that stuff as well especially this tour called jack of hearts tour we had uh, a revolving stage in the yeah, middle in the, in yep. the middle of Rod Laver arena which was spinning around and so we had to rehearse jumping on it spinning and, and then you know running off and <laughs> running into the light for your solo and all that stuff and you, you get all that down and 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 then you have production rehearsal you yep. go to the stadium and rehearse that stuff and and then you're on 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 the road um, it consists of buses and planes. You you know you spend your whole life in yep. airports waiting to be you you know carted off, and then you you know I think every inch of your life is dictated by the tour. You get to a hotel, they've got your rooms booked, and and you, you know you, you yeah. do that kind of stuff yep. too. So we get into our rooms, and then there's a the newsletter for the day, like four thirty, lobby call. You go four thirty get in the bus and go to the venue and you go to the venue and have a sound check, an elaborate sound check to make sure everything's okay and then and then you have dinner there um, and then it's a concert. And after the concert, you you know, you either meet the fans or you go back to the hotel and hang out at the house bar.
1: Now, many probably don't know, but you produce the music for one of the most well-known TV commercials in the country, I Still Call Australia Home, uh-huh. in 1998 for Qantas alongside another Australian music legend in Lindsay Field. Um, that year you were also the music director for Greece, the arena spectacular. Mm -hmm. And so how did these roles come about and how did you go juggling multiple roles and projects at the same time?
2: you're foolish. You know, you you have to be a (laughs) stupid to do all this stuff. Um, the, the Qantas one was, you know, you know, my career and life changed when I joined John Farnham's band, everyone wants to know. And, uh, I still call Australia Home was an, an idea of Glenn Wheatley's and, and you know Glenn ah, Hobnobs yeah. with the, yeah. the rich and famous <laughs> and successful. And he had a relationship with Qantas and he presented this idea to them and and then Glenn called me and Lindsay to put the ad together. So mm-hmm. we, I, I kinda devised ways of re rehashing that song, you know, to fit all these awesome. uh, singers and make it modern modernize it a little bit and and that's mm-hmm. when I hired the the Australian girls choir who yeah. have, you know, benefited a lot lately. Like they just recently did that Qantas anniversary dinner at the hangar. Mm. You, you know, they've, they're still benefiting still from yeah, it. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah. I
0: yeah. on the mod- middle of the road labor arena yeah. doing the same oh, thing. Yeah. What, so what a great like concept though. Yeah. yeah. It's great.
2: And then Greece, <clears throat> because John was in it, I, I was obviously asked to do the the tour. Yep. You you know there were other artists involved, but when John's involved, That's he's it. everything. Yeah. No, nothing else matters to the promoters and all that. So I I got the as I said, I got the job because of people's kindness. So I I uh, was the musical director of that, and yeah, and 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 that was a good test of my music musical directorship. I I rearranged all the songs. To to fit the modern era and and, and yep. I was allowed to and and those relationships you touch on
0: obviously you know you you've built trust you know yeah. and John trusts you and you you yeah. know him mm. and and that family component yeah. does working with that caliber of artists for any budding musical director or, or musician out there does that by creating that trust and that bond and working hard, does that open opportunities for you and your career organically or do you still have to sort of chase and hustle? I know you sort of said you've gone from one thing to the next but…
2: Yeah, I've never chased or hustled for a gig. People call me and and I, um, as I I said to you, you you just try to do your best and and someone will notice and and somewhere along the line someone will go, oh, I've got this job, I think I'll call Chong. He was pretty good in the last one I did. I I don't ring people and go hey, hey I'm I'm free. <laughs> do, you, do you want a cheap musical director? Um, and so like I don't leave any stone unturned and dot my I's and cross my t's and and I try to do the best I can. And in 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 any profession, your yep. your 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 industry as well. If you mm. do a bad job, no one will call you back. Yeah, across. you're only as good as your last yeah. gig. As yeah. They say if, yep. if if the main course is cold, you're de- you're dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. Um, You've become a bit of a large ceremony genius, I guess you could call it, over the years, probably most notably your success at the uh, 2000 Sydney Olympics where you composed a large portion of the music for the opening and closing ceremonies, you know, including songs for uh, Olivia Newton-John and John Farnham and arrangements for Kylie and you wrote the theme song uh, for the Olympics. To say involved is probably underselling it a bit but uh, how did this role come about and tell us about the the process, I guess, in producing those
2: large-scale ceremonies events yeah I, I i won't i won't uh, big note myself by saying i composed a theme song but i <laughs> i composed one segment of the opening ceremony yep. you, you know and and that came about like they invited I, I don't know how many composers to submit ideas and i submitted one originally but didn't get the job and david hershola got the job all oh, right he oh, okay. he got the the plum roll the 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 climax of the opening ceremony with the the bridge and the tap yep. dancers, and I thought, well, that's it, it's done, I'm done, yep. you, you know. And then a few months later, they called me and said, "Look, we love your music, and um, we've got this segment per, perfect. Your music's perfect for that. Will you come in?" I said, "Okay." And um, it so was who calls
0: you? Sorry to interrupt there. Who calls you in that process? Is that producers of the shows? Yeah, that-
2: uh Rick Birch yep. and his office, and, yep, and right. David Atkins, yep, and his office, and yep. and. and So I was summoned to Sydney to Homebush, and um, and I I started. You know what was meant to be a four minute piece, it became a twelve minute piece. It grew and grew every week. They go, um, yeah, we've got this new bit. uh, Like it's (laughs) it's you you know the the flowers become this indigenous painting. Can you do something that okay? And then suddenly, okay, we love that. But at twelve minutes ten seconds. Nikki Webster flies in the air and she sprinkles fairy dust and then the flowers light up. And, and so you you got to think, okay, I'll do that. And th- there's a lot of detail there. Yeah, right. you know And in those days, you, you complete a demo, you can't email them. No. You've you got to burn a CD, <laughs> which takes time. Yeah. But, in the post. And then yeah. put in the post overnight and send to them and then they'll, they'll call you and, and everyone sits in a room and listens to the CD. And sometimes the CD doesn't work. Yep. And um so it was a huge process. What's yeah.
0: the time frame on a project like that for, That for took releases? a year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And um
2: That's and incredible. besides that, I was also involved in um producing Dare to Dream for John Farnham yep. and Olivia Newton John and Heroes Live Forever for um uh Vanessa, Vanessa. Amorosi yep. and uh and for Nikki Webster. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, we uh no uh, what was it? Well, you can research it, uh, <laughs> uh, but th- that's that that's the skill of like if you ask about production, that's the skill of a under producer. Under the Southern Skies. Uh, under the oh. Southern Skies, yes. And the Under the Southern Skies came as a very simple demo, but I I changed the sound of it and the chords in it and and made it into a more modern pop song. And Heroes Live Forever too. It was a fantastic demo that the writer sent in, but it was very. Um, you know 80s rock style and mm. and i i turned it into a a, a slightly dance orientated like i was listening a lot to madonna then and and from, of the madonna's ray of light album and oh, and, and that awesome. influenced me to do uh w- uh a heroes live forever like yeah. that and then right at the end they said ah oh, um we need a fanfare at the start because we're going to drag this flag along the audience and then so back to the drawing board and had to do this other thing and, and that's that's the life of a producer, composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah.
0: And so and, and how'd you end up doing Dancing Queen for Kylie? I think it was in the closing. Is that so sort of, again part just part of that organic process? Hey Chung, we need some help here, mate. Well,
2: I, I I had already done the um Kylie it, Mono tour, yeah. Live in Intimate yes. and we had done Dancing Queen. So they wanted it reproduced for the olympics so they asked me obviously to do it and and you, you know we had done it with synthesizers on the tour but we had the money yeah. olympics so we i got members of the melbourne symphony orchestra to play on it and so yeah and also while i was doing all that i was playing with john and olivia as well and as you know it was events heavy in sydney mm. and i was playing every night to uh, during the olympics uh, and prior to the olympics doing gigs for Ansett, i think that's how they went broke <laughs> so i was tell <laughs> you, so your so fees. some people <laughs> listening may not know who ANSET are yeah. but that's okay they we're used to into be that. an airline yeah. for anyone who would <laughs> like yeah. to know yeah they, so. they used to be virgin airlines yeah. you know uh, and and so we did a lot every night gigs with them i was in sydney like after the opening ceremony doing gigs every night and to a lot of people and then i got a call from from the olympics office they they said, "Uh, we need one more piece, and it's um, it's the ceremony for the music for the for the ceremonial Olympic flag going around the stadium, and then they hoist the flag." And they said, "We need about I don't know four minutes or something." And so I said, "Okay," but I'm I'm in in Sydney, so I had to fly back to Melbourne to write the piece, mm. and um, because it there were no laptop, yeah, you know, music production yeah. units, and so. I flew back to Melbourne and wrote the piece very quickly and you know you have to demo up the, the piece so that they can hear what you're trying to do. Yep. You can't send them a sheet mu- piece of sheet music no. and you can't play just piano and no one will hear the it. And, and visualise it, right, Chong? As in, it needs to be visualised yeah. in accordance to yeah. the, the chord and the arrangement. Exactly. And, yeah. So I, I sent them the demo and they liked it so we recorded it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Do you want to go through the list? Oh
0: well, I tell you what, it went nuts after that. So because yeah. you know, following on from that massive global Australian event, um, you sort of ended up in ceremonial land uh, in terms of events. But still, are have, uh, a, have a listen yeah. to this: MD for Commonwealth Games in Manchester tw- two thousand and two, composed for Melbourne two thousand and six Com Games and two thousand and fourteen Glasgow Com Games. You were the MD for the two thousand and six Asian Games in Doha, MD for two thousand and fifteen Asian Cup, MD for the Melbourne Cup. The AFL Grand Final, the 2020-21 Big Bash Cricket League, and the two thousand twenty one and twenty two Australian Open final ceremonies. Do you ever sleep?
2: Uh at no, <laughs> no. What uh, is
1: what is that? I, I I can vouch that Chong will send emails and texts through at <laughs> all <laughs> all times of the evenings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's great testament. I mean, you've obviously got amazing work ethic, but you know what draws you to take on those enormous global sporting events? There must be some sort of attraction. Well, it's to get it's, to it's exciting. You, yeah. you you
2: know like. You you know, you, you do functions and events and, and you you know, you not might be busy, but if someone asks you to do something exciting, you'll yeah, take it. Yeah. It's your life. You you know, and and it's a little cliche, but music is my life and, and anytime like those ceremonies, they have budgets like the Olympics was crazy. You you know, so you're given free reign to to exert your creativity yeah. and allowed orchestras to record and choirs and all that. So you, you know, it's it's exciting, and and then it's exciting when they say, oh, at this time, someone will fly in, and then and then a, a turkey will appear, and, all <laughs> and then, Yeah, you go, oh
0: yeah, cool. You know, it's kind of exciting. Where know? do you get your inspiration from in your creativity? Because it's hard to keep being creative on yeah. and on and on and on and on again. And yeah. we always struggle with that. Not struggle with it, but it's a challenge. And just kind of come face. up with something new. Just come yeah. up with something new, and those inspirations. Do you have stuff that you draw on yourself in terms of influences?
2: Uh, not really Like um, I'm a I've always been a doodler Like I, yep. I tell my son Who's a composer also And I said You know you're like me You're a doodler You sit mm-hmm. at the piano And just play anything Yeah So you You tend to generate A lot, lot of ideas If, if someone says Now nah, I want this piece To be This flying bike Across the mountains So you go Okay mm-hmm. Sit at the piano And doodle and, yep. and go Oh yeah That sounds right But I, I guess What I do Anyone can do it But uh, the the difference is you you got a taste meter in your brain. You go, okay, that idea is good. I will use that. That's the difference. You see, you, yeah. you you know, you have to have a a taste, a certain taste in music, and also to interpret um, uh, people's briefs. Yeah. So From you directors got, and producers. Yeah, you so got like to try to Yeah, you got to try to understand what yep. people want yep. and yep. hear.
1: But, but like some of these events that we've referred to, Chong, the the progression. It needs to be powerful, doesn't it? Because it's on TV. It's yeah. all, it's, in, yeah. it's amongst a huge crowd. Yeah. So is that something that you go over and over as far as the, that progression?
2: Yeah. And also you've got to think um, there are pe- billion people watching this yep. thing yeah. on TV and in, in the stadium, 120,000 yeah. people. How do we make, make it, it you know, warm and lush yep. and big? Yep. And You're creating for two yeah. different
0: audiences. You've got your live environment, yeah. and your audience, and then you've got yeah. your, your TV audience, which are completely opposite. Yeah. And I think music in particular, though, it – it's such an important part of our events, and probably gets uh,
2: you know. I'm glad uh, you said that.
0: Well, I think yeah. it's such it's such an integral part of the storyline and linking everything together. So even when we go from segment to segment, yeah, um, the way you craft a show, you know, the music undertones from things like walk-in music to background music to that's, feature that's performances sure. yeah. to party bands to the highs and lows that we were talking about Absolutely. before. It's such an integral role. You know, you
2: take people on a journey. Yeah, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah, and the music
0: yeah. is is part of that. So, yeah. uh, and a very important part.
1: And at that level, there is a method to the madness, right, Chong, as far as what you are putting um, together. and
2: Yeah, I guess. You, you you know, you always go small and, and grow yeah. the piece into something spectacular and take people on little little emotional journeys and, yep. and people go, whoa, yeah. wow. You it know? plays on the
0: senses, you know, yeah. and, and that real heartfelt moment yeah. in particular in those
1: kind of styles. Um. So, Chong, we met working on the ONJ Gala events, yes. which we touched on. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, wow. How do you find the different dynamic of working, I guess, a more traditional corporate style of event that we did versus a live concert performance, especially because the the quality of performers we worked with were were amazing, but it was still that more intimate setting versus a concert. Yeah,
2: I I, I treat every gig the same. You you know, I treat it like a big concert, but uh, in those corporate events is a little different because you have to have different artists come in and you have to work with them and – and shape their songs for the night. And, and as I said, you've got to win their confidence. But hopefully I've been around enough that people go, oh, okay, Chong, it's fine, we'll, we'll work with him. You, you know, in the old days, people would say, who the hell's that? Yeah. We're not working with him, who is he, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but for a concert for a, an artist like Olivia Newton-John or Kylie Minogue or John Farnham, you work on their strengths and, and their, and their um, repertoire. You you know to help them shine and to make the songs fresh, um, but you you know the only difference is the number of people. Yeah, and in in a way it's harder to do those corporate events because people are I a mean, little we had, drunk. We had Barry
1: Gibb, remember? Yeah, that's absolute right, superstar, yeah. a global mm-hmm. superstar. Yeah. And,
2: yeah. and he he was really nice. And, and that's what I mean by by doing your best. He came up to me and said, "Look, Chong, this band is as good as my band. That's really nice. Yeah, and you you know you try to make everything incredible for them, and um and like recently I did the Robbie Williams tour and oh. and the thing at the grand final and he said, man, this better like you know he was probably being nice but he said, hey, you you know he he insinuated that our band was pretty good and and it's. It's nice to get that acknowledgement, you it, know. It did sound pretty awesome on Greenfield H. I was so "Congrats on that!" And, one. And you know, it's hard for them. They've got their own band. They turn up, and they got to deal with this band they don't know yep. nothing about. You know, they're uneasy. Their reputation's at stake. Is you, you got to do your best. Yeah, you, you know.
0: How long do you rehearse for something like that? You know, and and is it daunting having one of those international stars walk in on your band, wondering what they're going to think?
2: Not really, because they're like you and I. They're just yep. people. Yeah. You, you know, you got to. Um, not be intimidated by them, so that they they relax. You you know, you don't go the first time you meet them. Hey, can I have a selfie? You know, I have never had a selfie with any artist I've worked with. And, and when when I do press, sometimes they say, "Oh, have you got a photo with Kylie Minogue, or John Farnham?" I go, "I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> think so. I i." I can't find it That's any. great
0: though. Because yeah. Your memories are very much etched in your, in yeah. your brain and in your yeah. heart. So um, one of the things Buzz and I talk about quite a bit is we believe the music and events industries, you know, are direct, directly linked. You know, they're, we're all in the business of entertainment um, with both industries working together more yeah. often than not in what we do. How is the event industry as it's in, in its own little bucket seen in the world of say the music industry if we were to separate the two? And do you think there needs to be more collaboration and unity between the two in the future?
2: How 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 can how can you have the cheek to ask this question when I haven't had a call from you? <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, um, it's you, you know the synergy is important, and and I guess I'm open to any suggestions. And and if I get a good brief, we'll we work together a lot. Like poor Shane, he get a call at nine thirty p.m. Going, Shane, I, I reckon we should do this. He goes, huh? There's a re- reason why you ring them so late. You see they shocked yeah. and they say yes to anything you suggest says always a, probably yeah. half drunk at the time a strategy, <laughs> a strategy in the play get
0: the producer on side
2: yeah I, I i think it's like as you say if you 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 know a lot of people don't understand the power of music but some people do and you, you know I, I call music the the fourth dimension you you, you know because Music will manipulate your emotions, mm. and you can have incredible visuals, whatever visuals you like. But the music is what what Correct. tells you how to how to feel. Interpret the story. Yeah. yeah, like you know, the perfect example is film school. They they often have this video of this guy in a with a hat and a coat and a, a suitcase, a briefcase, walking down a, a narrow street in 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 silhouette, and they play serious music or scary music and it becomes a horror movie or yeah. they put a, a vaudevillian funny tune and it becomes a comedy or they put a really sad song and it becomes a sad scene so music you know manipulates the, the audience to feel a certain way even look yeah. at
1: social—it's uh, uh, not social media. What am I saying? Uh, reality TV, yeah, and that dramatic music over yeah. some of the most oh. cringeworthy scenes you'll ever yeah. see. Yeah. Right? That—that's
2: yeah. that, uh, to me. That's why Merit at First Sight works. That the music is <laughs> yeah. so over the top. It's is that incredible. you in the
1: background? Is that you playing in the background? No, you're no, not no. Part no. Of that. But I—I have
2: to confess, I'm addicted to matter at a first sight we'll have an up episode discussing that wow. oh, yeah. we
1: need to and yeah. I guess that is a good trigger for our next question Chong is so you you moved into TV I mean you were always doing TV here and yeah. there but you moved in more into TV and you know you were the MD for dancing with the stars um, the Logies which I guess is more of a live event produced for TV Good Friday appeal which this week um, do you like to do TV and define these roles very different than your life work
2: well TV is a different beast it's all about timings. You you know, you can't go over three minutes or four minutes or something. And uh, it's very demanding. There are a lot of bosses and they they tell you what to do. And even though they have no idea, but you have to say yes. And um, something like Dancing with the Stars was really grueling um, because um, I work all week on the music um, and then and finish the charts and all that. And, and sometimes I finish it on Friday night yeah. or Saturday morning about 6 a.m. And then the rehearsal's 8 a.m., you know, got to get to the studio and be fresh and know the parts so that you can help the band realize the music. And and then we rehearse and re- record the our rehearsals so that the dancers, when they fly in, they can listen like they've been practicing to the original mm-hmm. CD, yep. yeah, which is right. kind of shocking when you hear the a real band play So, so we prepare them by by pre-recording our rehearsal, and then uh, on the Sunday morning we, we get in about midday, and and they've been rehearsing all morning to our rehearsal recording, and then we play live so that they can dance to us, and then and then we do they run the show once, and that's it and it's dinner time and you go, oh my God, it's (laughs) 7pm, we're going on air soon. So it's very immediate and you cannot make any mistakes. I I think we've done thousands of songs. We've done 15 seasons of Dancing with the Stars at an average of a hundred songs a series. So you can imagine the number of songs and we've only messed up twice. Do you remember what those yeah, two were? Which ones <laughs> yeah, were yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, uh, one was uh, uh, an ambient piece. Uh, I can't remember the name now. Um, uh, an ambient pop piece, and um, and this couple, this particular couple, had to get tens to survive. Oh no! He, and then you know it was like the really floaty piece, and then the lead singer, he he had a moment, and and he forgot to come in, and and then he he. He, he woke up, I guess. And meanwhile, and, and it's one of those artistic pieces, no beat. And so they were relying on the lyrics to, to serve up and two, to, Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, two, and, and, yeah. And, and there was no lyric. So at the end, um, you know, Todd McKinney says, John, what happened? He, he <laughs> decided to <laughs> pick <laughs> up me. I Todd? say, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. He, you know, that was the first time we messed up and, um, um, well, the, the couple got all tens anyway and then got yep. through to the final or something like that. Well, there That's you right. go.
1: Yeah, all because of you. Nice. Yeah.
2: So um, you, you have to wear your mistakes. Life. <laughs> you
0: <know. laughs> hey, yeah. what's um, what's sort of next for you, I guess? Do you have any – in terms of your career and stuff, I mean you've done so much but do you have any aspirations? Is there things that you still have unachieved that you'd like to set yeah. about getting to? Uh,
2: I've got a f- um, Complete my mortgage payments, oh, no, <laughs> like oh, everyone God. else. <laughs> yeah, harder and harder, harder by the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, um I, I think I'm close to retirement age, so I'll just sail into the sunset, I guess. Um,
0: I can't believe you'd ever do that. <laughs> I would You love it so. too much.
2: <laughs> well, there, there are challenges. If the AFL want me back, I'll, you, you know, try to do the grand finals and do it well. And, and they, they're fun geeks to do because they big. And um, and I'm slated to to do a few movies next year for Netflix, and I'll oh, cool. uh, look forward That's to awesome. that. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Is that different? I, I, obviously, it's different. But you just talked about you know TV and, yeah. and what that involves. On a movie, is that just as grueling? But yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You got to please a lot of people, yeah. and um, you, you when you do a movie, you 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 go through what this is you you get sent the script. And then you go through what is called a spotting session. You sit with the director and the director runs th- through the movie and then says, okay, this this scene here, we do- don't need any music. This scene here, there should be loud bang and and this this scene has to be sad music. I don't want too much in it. And then you kind of inter- interpret what they want and you do a little demo and play to them. If they like it, then you record it.
1: It'd be a bit reactive too at times, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah.
2: And also these days it's easier with the computers and all that. Like the syncing is very easy. In the old days, you'd get a VHS tape. (laughs) Oh wow. And then you gotta rewind and then one side of the output would be the time code feeding into your computer. Mm. And it takes a little while for the time code to catch up. So you have to rewind twenty seconds before the scene and start and then the computer will catch up. Yeah. And so it was very difficult to, to to do to write music for Pictures, you know,
0: yeah, crazy, unbelievable. Hey, how do you? I guess one of the questions we we like to sort of ask everyone is, for you in your role and your daily life, you know, how do you challenge yourself day in, day out, and sort of moving forward to stay at the top of what you do and this top of your craft?
2: Yeah, I've, I I try to find out what's the latest and the best Chinese restaurant there is <laughs> in Chinatown for my supper. I uh, know. Uh, look. Um, Um, That's why I watch things like Married at First Sight and listen to the radio because I I feel like I have to understand popular culture and what, intrigues the general public so i i keep in touch with all that stuff though i draw the line at instagram and tiktok but <laughs> you know you know it's my job to try to understand it all and you and miss out on half of buzz's life if you're not on instagram oh come yeah. on oh, don't, he's don't all, all like over it. yeah no. he's the one
0: doing
1: the weights oh yeah, yeah totally please so, anyway, this is a sorry family show I yeah. this isn't about me it's about
2: chong mm. come on <laughs> <laughs> and and you know so i try to to keep up with what's happening right now and and the sounds and all that and that that's why Dancing with the SAS was really good because we used to do a lot of top twenty hits and yeah. and so I I figured out what was happening today and and all that and and so I still listen and do my uh, research though I love listening to you know songs music from my era uh, which is like. 1950, like uh, 1950s uh, and, and so on. Era, and yeah. and um, and I guess, you, you know, with computers ruling our lives, you've got to get on top of your computers and find yeah. out what the latest software is and try to learn yeah. them. And musically, you know, I'm still listening to a lot of stuff and trying to figure out what they do. You, you know, it's a perpetual learning yeah experience yep. being a musician you mentioned
0: before about like vhs tapes versus like a, you know modern technology yeah. and stuff has that been difficult to manage the change in that technology development in your role over the years or you just find yourself adapting organically not
2: really because i've always been into, tech, into technology yeah. and I, I was a mechanical engineering student of at course. melbourne uni so i was kind of easily into that sort yeah. of stuff but you, you know you've got to keep up with the times you know and, and software is supposed to make it easier for you, but yep. sometimes they, may, they make it hard. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, one of the, the things we have a lot of event producers and event managers, you know, that listen to this podcast, for them to work with a musical director, um, what is a couple of your tips or advice to, to those, you know, to that skill set in terms of what they should think about engaging and working with someone like yourself?
2: Listen to me because I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yes love it. he is, yeah. I, I think... Um. The brief is really important, and to, to tell tell the musical director what you want from the night or what you want from a certain uh, performance, and and you you know if you get your yourself across, um, we will understand.
1: I found too Chong when you know we worked together a while ago. You just can't be too rigid, right? You know,
2: you yeah. guys need to do your thing. Yes, so. yes, they do their craft. Yes, yeah. and and like we are not rigid, like. Um, um, uh, not th- this grand final, but the grand final before in Perth. Yeah, you, you know things were changing all the time. At mm. first, a segment was twenty minutes. Then it became uh, tw- uh eighteen minutes, and then it became twelve minutes. And then you gotta cut your music and yeah, and just work accordingly. It. Yeah, you yeah. can't get mad. You you know so you have to be very accommodating and all that stuff.
0: Great, right? No, we're up to our favorite segment, as I always say. Stand by, Chong. These are called Buzzer's rapid-fire questions, uh, and he rolls them out. So I'll uh-huh. let him do the intro, but uh, go on, mate. Hit him.
1: Short answers, Chong, so just bear that in mind. But um, I'm just going to th- throw a few at you that might, you know, a few curveballs, but see how we go. <laughs> bear with me. Okay, so the first one, besides keys, what other instruments do you play? Nothing. I love it. I didn't know that about you.
2: <laughs> do you have an play? interest in any other instruments or no? Well, I've let, a little, little late now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never too late. Yeah.
1: Fair enough, and uh, well, this question might be void, but your favorite? No, it's not. What's your favorite on stage performance?
2: My favorite on stage performance, um, probably, um, you know, working with John Farnham and Kylie Minogue and Ray Charles and Anthony Waller. With Ray? Yeah, Ray Charles. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: incredible. Yeah. Um, well, who and who's your favorite musician?
2: My favourite musician is Herbie Hancock. For those who don't know, he's a brilliant jazz pianist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very good-looking bloke, too. We're all <laughs> nodding. Yep, we all know.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um All right, next one is, what scares you? You. Mate, oh, oh. come on. What <laughs> when, really scares you? When you're, 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 when you're angry. <laughs> I don't get oh, – I do get angry
2: sometimes. Uh, no, you don't. My, my age scares me. Okay. <laughs>
1: But you're very young at heart, you know. You still laugh. Well, and joke
2: and... You, you know, the reality sits in you. You might be young at heart, but when you look in yourself in the mirror every morning, you go, "What the f happened?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's a, still a good-looking head of hair. I'm very, very jealous. Final one, mate. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
2: Best piece of advice. Um, my mother told me, you know, think of others before you think of yourself, and that's what I do always. You know when when I'm in a social situation, I always think of of everybody, and and I try to look after people who are a little lost in the social situation or in a meeting or something. And I guess it it extends to my whole life. You you know, like be considerate of others, and um, and she always said be humble, Chong. You know, I I try to be humble and uh, not get ahead of myself. Yeah, I think that's good advice. You know, don't don't let anything get to your head. It sure is.
1: Yeah. Uh, yep, that's a great way to wrap up yeah. that one. So thanks, Chong. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a
0: great way to, to wrap up uh, the show. Unfortunately, we're, we're out of time. As much as we could keep talking forever, I think that's a great point to, to finish on. Just, just just call me Confucius. <laughs> Master of confusion. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, you heard it here first. Hey, Chong, thank you very, very much for for joining us. Thank uh, you. On an eventful life, we really do appreciate your time. Congratulations on everything you've achieved thank so you. far, and and everything I'm sure you've got to come into the future. So yeah, thank you. Um, I I, I, you I really
2: had a great great time and and a lot of fun. And thanks very much to you guys. And best of luck with your podcast. Thank you. I'm when I'm you looking, become famous uh, and uh, I'm huge in America, just remember. I did your early ones. You sure Do did. not Chong's forget. riding
1: the next jingle. I know, look at the way he's looking at me too. But, uh, <laughs> no, look, we, we have a, a genuine future Hall of Famer in the room here and I'm so happy <laughs> that you could uh, come and have a chat with us, Chong. So thanks again. It's so good to see you. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to An Eventful Life. And if you like what you hear,
1: don't forget to subscribe to listen to more episodes. I'm Brad. And I'm Shane. And this podcast is produced by EOS Creative.
0: See you next time on An Eventful Life.